Mules and burros will work with you, but they need to be respected. And if they're not respected, they'll let you know. They'll make life much more difficult for you. And that's what Coco did when she pulled against the tree stub and pulled the pannier open and dropped all my stuff on the ground. I wasn't very pleasant with her, understandably, but she was offended by my manner and my language. And it wasn't until I made amends, until I apologized for my ill behavior, that she would cooperate with me again. Hello and welcome to Notes from the Bee Yard. You're listening to Episode 12, A Special Friend Moves On. If you've ever loved an animal, a dog, a cat, a horse, you know how close that bond can feel and how sharp the loss. Today's episode is about a friendly, curious, and mischievous burrow named Coco and how her loss impacted the families and children that grew up alongside her. My name is Laura Tyler. I'm your producer and host. This is episode 12, A Special Friend Moves On, written by Tom Theobald in 1990 and read by Tom in 2021. Stay tuned through the end to hear Tom and I chat about losing a special friend. It is hardest of all to write of things most closely held and when a simple thing reveals its true importance. She came to us at nine months of age, deep liquid eyes and a coat of chocolate black. We lived in the flat tops then and had lost our burrow, Eeyore, suddenly in the cold and dark of the corral. We were back down in Longmont briefly to pick up two horses and remembered seeing Coco earlier that spring. So we drove by the farm again to inquire. When we left, Coco was in the back of a six-horse trailer with two full-grown horses. She looked like a ten-year-old Pop Warner football player on an outing with the big boys. That was over 16 years ago. Coco took quickly to the horse herd and they to her. She formed a fast friendship with the aging horses that had made the long trip in with her, but all the herd seemed to attach some special importance to this sprightly, deer-like little leaguer in their midst, as if she were the mascot deserving of their special protection. From across the river, we could call to her up on the mountainside with her equine friends. Half the herd would return with her, even though they knew we would corral them for a day of work. But they came, as if to assure themselves that no ill would befall their little burrow buddy. We returned to the plains at the end of Coco's first year, and she took up residence in the pasture fronting the street next to the house. It wasn't long before she attracted the attention of the neighborhood kids, and she became a regular event for the preschool downtown. I could hear them as they turned the corner a block away, on the way to a visit, 
calling her name in unison. Her following grew, and as the years passed, those preschoolers, teenagers now, stopped by in the new car with the new girl to say hello to an old friend. Finally, the first few came with their own children. The grass outside the pasture was often plucked clean by little hands. They thrust their booty through the fence, and Coco never failed them, eating a little even if she wasn't hungry. Many times we came out to find carrots or an apple hanging on the fence, a gift from some unseen little Santa. We realized she was ill when we returned from Meeker. The vet was out, there were shots and blood tests, and we were medicating her morning and evening, watching her closely, and once again, each in our own way, hoping for a recovery. By the first day of fall, September 21st, she seemed much better, more stable and active. She tossed her head for attention again, as she always had before. So I let her out of the corral to seek the shade and get a little exercise, and the day looked brighter. Before leaving for the honey house, I called Barbara at work to share the news. In mid-afternoon, I returned to check on her, and she seemed to be doing fine. As I left at four to go back to work, I called to her from the end of the driveway as she stood under her shade tree, and we talked a bit. Within an hour, she was gone. Beneath that tree, now thirty feet tall, that she had straddled as a sapling to scratch her belly. The grief washed over us like an incoming tide. It hit us like a speeding train. We were devastated by the loss, and still are. Death is never easy, seldom understandable. Along with the tears, the pleasant memories flowed as well. Coco as a youngster learning to pack. When she pulled forward against a stub, Deep in the canyon at the headwaters of the White River, tearing open a pannier and spilling my earthly belongings in the mud and pouring rain. A few loud mule skinner words escaped my lips as I conveyed my displeasure and as I pulled on the lead rope to move the debris under an overhanging spruce. She set her feet, eyeing me angrily and indignantly for my lapse in good behavior. Only when I returned to whisper softly in her ear to offer my apologies for being such an ill-bred lowlife did she follow me readily on a slack rope. The friends along were perplexed, amazed, but I had been around mules and burrows long enough to understand her sense of pride. We recalled the Niwot Nostalgia Days parade each summer Kids on bikes and trikes with crepe paper in the spokes, painted cardboard constructions on coaster wagons, passing as circus wagons, cats, dogs, goats, tractors pulling floats of cheerleaders, horse-drawn wagons, and the town's 1948 Chevrolet fire engine. 
It was a typical small-town parade where the community turned out for some fun and foolishness, and Coco and I always joined as the prospector and his burrow. I would put on the crossbuck and panniers, make up a top pack over which went a pick and pan and shovel, everything held together with a creditable double diamond. As my beard began to gray and Coco began to look younger than I did, I realized the time was fleeting by. She always strutted her stuff in each parade, as if she knew that she was on display before her friends. One year, I saw a four-year-old up ahead, who had yet to meet Coco, tug his mother's skirt and exclaim, Mommy! Mommy! Look! A camel! If Coco took offense, she never showed it. She always prayed to us as we returned from a day away from home. She heard the clock radio click on each winter morning and sent a breakfast call toward the house. I sometimes moved her out in the spring to give her pasture a chance to rest. Half the neighborhood overslept that first day in the absence of her morning bray, and we would hang a sign on the fence announcing, Coco is on vacation. But now she's gone, and Barbara and I unsuccessfully fight back the tears as the emotions well up and my deep feelings for her fall upon the page. But she was but a burrow, and we but human. In our relationships with our animals, we search for some of the deeper meanings in life, for uncompromising friendship and trust, for permanence and honesty, for love. We seek those things so hard to grasp sometimes in our human experience. Coco gave us all these things in full measure. The light is gone but her spirit remains to remind us of the really important things in life. And if there is indeed a heaven, she is one of those I hope to see, to share her goodness once again. This one broke my heart. Yeah, mine too. And the community, not just us. People were immediately attracted to her for a whole host of reasons. She was a lovable little burrow, and everybody loved her. Do you want to say a little bit about what her personality was like? Well, what I would like to recount is an experience we had when Coco was a little older, Barbara and I went in on a pack trip in the flat tops. Two saddle horses and Coco as our pack animal. And this was uh, about the middle of July. We uh, packed in about 12 miles and the ground was so wet in the flat tops because it was still fairly early. In the season at 10,000 feet, I decided that 
rather than try to ride that country, we would walk on that first day at least and see what it looked like. So I hobbled one of the saddle horses, and Barbara and I took off, and we were gone all day. We came back to camp to find that the horse had gotten out of the hobbles, and all three animals were gone. What do we do? Well, we started walking because it was late in the afternoon. We didn't have a whole lot of time, and we had 12 miles to go. We got about uh, three miles back, and here's Coco. Coco had left with the horses, but she decided that she wanted to stay with us. She didn't want to leave with the horses. So we brought her back. We spent the night, and in the morning we packed up as much of the equipment as we could, and we started back down toward the lodge. So, so uh, our entire trip consisted of uh, packing and walking. We didn't get the adventurous uh, trip that we had had uh, anticipated. Oh man! Tell me that moment when you're uh, coming down two miles out, two or three miles out, and then there she is. What did you see first, and what was that like? She brayed to us as soon as she saw us. You know, it was clear that we all loved each other. She didn't want to leave with those two horses and leave us behind. She wanted to stay with us. And she had stopped. She was in country she didn't know. She wasn't quite sure what to do. And she was as happy to see us come along as we were to see her. Tom, how did you tell the neighborhood kids that Coco was gone? Oh, boy. I had to put a note out on the fence explaining what, what had happened. And it was heartbreaking because for the next month, offerings would appear on the fence. Mm-hmm. It hits you in the gut. Yeah, it was uh, hard to get through. If I were to highlight a theme in this, it would just be uh, what grief feels like, what that feels like in your body. Mm-hmm. And that was many years ago, and the grief is still there. Has it changed in all the years? I don't think so. I've learned to hide it yeah. better. But you could see from listening to me try to narrate that column that it's still there. Yeah. Well, I really wish that I had a chance to get to know her. Um, have you met Doyen's yes. before? Yeah. Such cool animals. They are. And uh, the mules get their best qualities from the burrows. What do you mean? They get their best qualities from from burrows, their common sense, their affection, their pride. All that comes from the burrow side. Thank you for listening to Notes from the Bee Yard. 
Special thanks this week to Doyen and Jim Mitchell, whose sweet burrows, two Jennies, are in the photograph that accompanies today's show. We publish on Fridays at noon. Join us next week for episode 13, Closing Down. In the meantime, hop on over to notesfromthebr.buzz to subscribe. 